Well, good morning. So to start off today, I just want to tell you a little something about myself, and that is the fact that I am not a runner. And that is a very important piece of information to know for this next piece of information I'm going to tell you, and that is two years ago in the summer of 2017, I ran my first ever 5K. And I even have physical photographic evidence, possibly, to show that. <laughs> Just one minute. Anyway, this was an official. You sign up for it, they give you a bib number, there's a chip. If you guys Googled this race, you would find my results. And this is really significant for me because I love the idea of being a runner, but actually doing the running has been a bit of a challenge for me. So I would embark on all kinds of, and see, so here it is, like this pained look on my face is about how I was through the entire race, but there it is, proof that I actually did this race. And like I said, I had actually tried on several, several occasions in years before to become a runner, and I would do all of those couch to 5K programs and get about as far as my neighbor's house, and that is all the further that I would go. <laughs> so this race, though, I trained, I finished, I finished the race actually three minutes under my goal time. And so now, and I'm not saying no, well thank you, but that was the last time that that happened. So, so what changed this time? How did this, a self-proclaimed non-runner, run a race, finish a race, and finish it well? The reason for that is, if you want to flip to the next slide, I ran this race with a community of runners. And so this is the group of people that I trained with for 10 weeks. Each Monday night, we would meet together. We would do a run a training program, um, all in anticipation for this run. And so on those nights that we would train, when there would be times when somebody felt like she couldn't run another step, that was usually me. One of these women or one of these men would jump in and say, you know what, Melissa, remember what you did last week. You finished the training last week. Look. We're so close to the end. You can do this. And so with that gentle nudge or that reminder, I was able to finish the training program. And throughout the whole course of this training program, we also built this community online where we would post our successes for the week or we would talk about, hey, I'm really struggling with getting through this particular training exercise. What can I do? And we would take the time to encourage one another um, and just let them know, let each other know where we've been and what the prize was at the end of the race. So the actual night of the race brought only not only this group of people that I had trained with for 10 weeks, but also another group of cheerleaders. And most of those were people that had been in the same place where I had been at one point. A wannabe runner that had never run a race, but actually finished a race. And so strategically placed along the racetrack all the way down the riverfront were these people. When you'd get to these spots, and you'd be like, this is it. I can't go another step. They'd be like, you're so close. Come on, you can do this. You can move on. You can finish this race. And if it wasn't for that encouragement on the night of the race or the encouragement that I'd received in the weeks prior to that training, I probably would not be standing here today saying, I finished a race. A non-runner finished a race. See, and there is a little bit of, yay, she finished the race, right? <laughs> so what this, what this story really shows for me, or what this experience really showed to me, is how important encouragement is. Um, we 
we need those people that are gonna encourage us in the things that we're wor working towards, whether it's a race, whether it's something more difficult in our life, whether it's a, a difficult situation, whether it's a hard medical diagnosis, whether it's just difficult people at work. No offense to any of my coworkers who are here. This is, um, but we all need those people that are gonna help push us through um, in both those challenging and those good circumstances. And not only do we need those people, we need to be those people for others. Because our encouragement can make a tremendous difference in somebody's lives. Encouragement helps people live to their fullest and discover things about themselves that they didn't think before was possible. Remember, I never considered myself a runner and I finished a race. We actually live in a society that thrives on encouragement. If you were to type, I want to be encouraged in Google right now, you would find about 304 billion results. Everything from uplifting quotes of the day to quick tips for encouragement. And in the United States, the self-improvement and personal development industry where all of this motivational type stuff falls, all the conferences, all the books, et cetera, is a $9.9 .9 billion industry. Those two statistics alone prove that we find value in encouragement. So much so that researchers have actually gone out to try to prove what's the value of encouraging people. So several years ago, there was a group of researchers in the United States who said, you know what, we really wanna test this value. We wanna have some data that really backs up our claim that we think encouragement is a really good thing. So they took a group of 28 college students and wanted to gather a baseline measure. And they said, okay, students, we want you to run on this treadmill for 12 minutes. Wanted to give it your maximum effort for this whole 12 minutes. So that developed to their baseline. And then they had them run a second 12 minutes on the treadmill. And what they did during this time is divided them into four groups. So one group just ran the 12 minutes again. Another group ran the 12 minutes but received encouraging comments every 20 seconds. Another group received encouraging comments every 60 seconds. And then the fourth group received these kinds of verbal encouragement every 180 seconds. And so this encouragement consisted of things like, good job, way to go, you're just about there. You can do this. And the results suggested that frequent verbal encouragement, any of those 20 to 60 seconds, led to significantly greater maximum effort than when no, than when no encouragement was given. This led the researchers to, include, to conclude that verbal encouragement intended to increase a person's maximum effort has profound effects on performance. And so if this is true, in a controlled environment when people are simply running or walking on a treadmill, imagine how much impact our encouragement can have when it comes to real life. Imagine what kind of impact our encouragement can have when it's given in the context of our family, of our circle of friends, or of our church community. And so we're in our fourth week of our series, We is Greater Than Me. And today, if you haven't guessed already, we're gonna talk about encouragement. And we're gonna talk about the role of encouragement in a thriving community and how we can take on that role of encouragers. For the most part, we tend to think of encouragement as something that just makes somebody feel good. Like we just wanna give you a little attaboy, girl, and make you feel good. But encouragement from a biblical perspective is so much more than that. It's more than something that we do to make others feel good. It's how we motivate each other to grow in our faith 
and to serve Jesus and others well. In fact, I would advocate that being an encourager is the top role that God wants us to take in community. And so when Russ kicked off this series four weeks ago, he talked about we weren't made to do life alone. And I think we weren't made to do life alone because encouragement is such an important part to us discovering who we are. Now, all through the Bible, the role of encourager is celebrated. In fact, in the New Testament, the Greek word for encouragement is written 109 times. And I think, the encouragement, I think encouragement is written about so much for one very specific reason, and that's we can become so easily discouraged. And we need those constant reminders. But when we're encouraged and in turn encourage others, we live fully in the way that God intended us to live. And encouragement is necessary to our walk of faith. Without encouragement, life would feel pointless, possibly burdensome. Without encouragement, we can be overwhelmed by the very real pains of life. Without encouragement, we can even feel unloved. So the Bible tells us to encourage one another, to remind others of the truth of God, and that we are treasured, that struggles are worth it, and that there is something better. God calls us to encourage others who will in turn encourage us. Because when we become encouragers, we not only help one another grow stronger in faith, but we grow in our own faith. And when we encourage, we become more like Christ, who is our ultimate encourager. Let's just take a minute to think about God as our encourager. God takes on so many roles, but there is such a big role of God as encourager. Think about all of the times that you've seen the Bible where he's calling after one of his servants, saying, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, don't give up, I am with you. This is a picture of God as encourager. And we see it all the way through. And as God's people, we're created in his image, so we are encouragers too. He wants to use each of us as encouragement to one another. Paul reminds us of this call to be an encourager um, with encouragement as the theme through his first letter to the Thessalonians. So when Paul wrote this letter to, this ch to the church, it was not only intended to encourage them in their faith, but also to remind them that they too are called to be encouragers of one another. So we're going to start to jump into a couple of the verses in 1 Thessalonians. You can follow along in your Bible, on the Ignite Church app, or on the screens. So the first verse we're going to take a look at is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So here, Paul is saying, hey, I'm encouraging you to encourage other people. And one of the things that's important to note is that this message was written to the entire church, not just the church leaders, not just the people in the church who were the most positive, all of them. And an interesting piece of information about the members of this church is that they struggled. They struggled with laziness. They struggled with impurity. They struggled with some of the same temptations and sin that we do today, and yet, Paul still reminds them that they need to keep encouraging one another. He didn't say, clean up your act and then be encouraging. He didn't say, figure it all out and then be encouraging. He told them to be encouraging in the moment, right where they are, whether or not they felt qualified. And just like those members of that church, 
we're called to be encouragers right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when we have it all figured out, not when we think we know, we know exactly what to say right in this moment. And this isn't the only time that encouragement is referenced in the Bible. And what's interesting about it is that depending on where it is, there are actually two different translations of the Greek word that both mean encourage. And I don't think this is meant to, in, to confuse us, but rather I think it's meant to help us get a full picture of what it really means to encourage. One of the words actually translates to comfort each other or to ease grief or distress for someone, to console them when they're facing hard times. So encouragement means building somebody up when they're in hard times. The other means to edify one another or to build someone up morally or intellectually. So we encourage people when we lift them up when they're in bad times. We encourage people when we call out things that they're doing well and spur them on to continue those things. So again, hard times, good times, all the time. Encouragement is what God is asking us to do for one another. But what does it look like, and practically speaking, how do we do it? So in the rest of our time today, we're going to look at three examples of encouragers from the Bible, and then we'll talk more specifically about what we can do to be uh, encouragers right now, right here within our sphere of influence. So we're going to start in the Old Testament, in the chapter of Exodus, or in the book of Exodus, chapter 17. And just a little bit of background before we jump into the verse that we're really going to hone in on. And it's here in this chapter that we find Moses leading the people of Israel, but they find themselves in the middle of a battle. And so Moses retreats to the top of a mountain to pray. And he's praying for victory for his people. And so as long as Moses has his arms lifted high to God in prayer, the people of Israel are winning. The minute Moses' arms drop, the army or the people of Israel are experiencing defeat. So just raise your arms up for, for a minute. How long do you think you can keep your arms here? Three yeah, maybe three minutes. <laughs> maybe 30 seconds. So as you can imagine, Moses had been here a long time holding his arms up. So you can imagine that he is feeling a little bit tired and his arms are starting to fall. So you can go ahead and take your arms, unless you want to see how long can I hold them. So go ahead and take your arms up. But let's take a look at Exodus 17, 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it underneath him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So we hear Moses is the leader of the people through Israel, but then there's these guys, Aaron and Hur, that end up on this mountain while Moses is praying. Aaron and Hur came to the top of the mountain with Moses, and they helped make it possible for his arms to stay up. So when he started to get tired, they pulled in a stone. They said, you know what, Moses? You sit down. All we need to do is make sure that your arms stay up. So Aaron on one side, her on the other, held Moses' arms up so that Moses can continue to pray for the rest of the day, and the people of Israel won the battle. 
Aaron and Hur literally encouraged Moses by physically holding up his arms. It's one of my favorite stories of people being there seemingly in the background but having such a profound effect on what they on what happened because of what they did. So Aaron and her are the first example of encouragers. The second, we're going to jump into the New Testament in the book of Acts and we learn about another encourager named Barnabas. And the thing I love about Barnabas is that his given name was Joseph. But the apostles gave him the name Barnabas, which literally translates son of encouragement. Could you imagine being in a group of people that sees you as such an encourager that they actually change your name to reflect that? So we can see, even though Barnabas may not be someone that we've heard of a lot, he's done great, great things. And the first man that he greatly encouraged was Paul. When Paul was first converted, Christians were afraid of him. So before Paul came to Christ, he actually hated Christians. He killed them even. So um, he'd been an enemy of the Christian faith. He'd arrested many, um, again, aided in their deaths. The Christ and so Christians in Jerusalem were fearful when he came. So if we look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, being Paul, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So Paul was preceded by his past, really. So everyone that he came in contact with remembered who he was, but didn't see the potential that he had. He wanted to be their friend. He knew he had been called by the Lord to proclaim the Lord's word but everyone was suspicious. But now we jump to verse 27. Verse 27 says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, that was Paul's name before his conversion, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas saw the potential in Paul. And so he not only encouraged the other apostles to give this guy a chance, he encouraged Paul by believing in him and saying, look, you got this. I believe that you were called and I'm gonna do everything that I can to make sure that you can walk into your full calling. After this, after the apostles heard from Barnabas, they said, okay, we're going to step out. We're going to trust him. Paul was able to freely speak the word. He was able to overcome this bad image, and he became one of the most prominent spokespeople of the faith. Again, Barnabas was an encourager because he saw the potential in Paul. And last, so we talked about Aaron and her. We've talked about Barnabas. The last encourager I want to talk about today is Mordecai, who we meet in the book of Esther. And of course, you guys who know me know I'm going to bring in the book of Esther any way that I can. <laughs> so in the book of Esther, Mordecai is Esther's cousin who raised her. And through a series of events, Esther is promoted to the queen of Persia. And during her reign, Mordecai finds out about a plan to eradicate all of the Jewish people. And so Esther and Mordecai were Jewish, so they were a part of this plan. So if, this, if the king was able to carry out this plan, they too would be killed. Mordecai tells Esther 
that she is in a position to stop this. But she is a little bit leery of that. She's like, wait a minute, if I go to the king and tell him not to do this, then there's a potential for me to be put to death. But in Esther 4.14, Mordecai says to, to Esther this, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for, for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is a little bit of tough love encouragement for Esther, but Mordecai knew what was at stake. But, and he also knew that Esther was the person that had the potential to fix this. So he did his part to encourage Esther to be brave, and then Esther was encouraged enough to be able to do her part. Once she realized her responsibility and what she could do, she was able to go to the king and save the Jewish people. And those are just three examples, just three from a whole book of examples of encouragers that God has given us. And it's interesting to think, without Aaron and her, the Israelites would have lost the battle. Without Barnabas advocating on Paul's behalf, Paul wouldn't have been in position to write 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And without the encouragement of Mordecai, Esther would not have realized that she had God-given bravery and she could save the Jewish people. Imagine how different things would have been had just those four people not embraced the call to be the encourager to those around them. And we live in this society that really thinks about the people or that really recognizes the people who are on top. But think about what wouldn't have happened if those supporting roles, as we call them, hadn't been there. You guys, there are no supporting roles in God's story. None of us are a supporting role. All of us have a place and a person to encourage. Because encouragers change the course of history, not just for themselves, but for those around them. We as encouragers, as those people, as those backstage people, as the supporting actors and actresses, we have kingdom impact because we are helping those people come into their full potential for God. Again, think about where would we be had Aaron and her not held up Moses' arms? Where would we be had Barnabas not encouraged Paul? Where would we be had Mordecai not told Esther, girl, it is you, go do what you're called to do. So how can we become the Aaron and her or Mordecai or Barnabas of today? How do we be an encourager to those in our sphere of influence? So in our time, um, as we finish up, I'm going to give you three things that we can do to become encouragers or really to embrace our role of encouragers because we already are. The first thing for us to embrace our role as encourager is to get close to people. We need to get close to them physically. We need to get close to them emotionally. Barnabas was close to Paul. Aaron and her were on the top of the mountain with Moses, so they were close to him. Mordecai was close to Esther. So part of this is we need to make the effort to be with people in community. This goes beyond Facebook communities. This goes beyond, uh, well, I talk to them via text. This means we need to get around people physically because that is how we can be an encourager. And not only is it proximity, 
It's also getting close to them emotionally. Encouragers are aware. They know when things change in your life, but they can't, you can't know what changes in somebody's life unless you're around them. They're close enough to know when you're scared or happy or heartbroken. There's another verse in the New Testament in Hebrews 24 that's another reminder of our call to be encouragers. And it says this, let us consider how to spur one another to love and good deeds. Again, we can't spur one another unless we're close. It requires relationship. It requires being together. It requires community. If we don't know each other, if we're not in this constant community, or if we just stop meeting one another, then we can't do the spurring or the encouraging that we're called to do within this verse. A couple weeks ago, Mark talked about being vulnerable in our community, and that is such a key part of being an encourager. We not only have to be vulnerable, we have to give people space to be vulnerable. Because when we understand really what they're going through, when we understand their hurts, their fears, their passions, their, what brings them joy, then we can really spur them on. Aaron and her knew what to do for Moses because they were close. They were close enough to see that his arms were getting so, so tired that something needed to be done. They noticed when he was weak, and they also were seeing what was happening on the battlefield the weaker that he got. So they interceded in the exact way that Moses needed at that time, and that was to be there and lift his arms up. So this, that is the first, getting close to each other in proximity and, in, and personally. The second thing that we need to do to embrace our role as encourager is to see, listen, and speak to the heart. There's an author that I really like, her name's Karen Eman, and she talks about this as listening for a heart drop. And so a heart drop is when a person either directly or indirectly gives you a peek into what's going on with them. So it could be a word that they use, it could just be um, you pick up on a feeling, it could be um, just a simple preference for something that they like or they don't like. Maybe you can sense some anxiousness in their voice or worry in their tone when they bring up something that's going on in their life. And she really encourages us to listen to those heart drops because when we listen for those heart drops, we can be an encourager. And so just an example of this. So three years ago for me, um, this was, had, was just after my husband had left and I was having lunch with a friend and I was just talking about things that were going on. Just not really complaining, just saying, oh yeah, I've been doing a lot of yard work, I've got this section of my yard where these weeds are just out of control, I just don't even know what to do with it. And it was really just a conversation. The next day, she texted me and said, what day should my husband and I be over to help you clean that up? She heard the heart drop. It wasn't something that I explicitly said, I really need help with this, it was just something that I had said, hey, here's the thing, you know, when she said, here's what's going on with you, here's what's going on. She heard that drop and responded to that. So when we hear a heart drop, we have a choice. We can brush it aside and go on doing whatever we do, or we can respond with encouragement. And so if you go to the next slide, Karen has a great quote just to kind of sum up this whole idea of heart drop. Hearing a heart drop is an art we can intentionally cultivate, a sort of listening between the lines. It can lead to the most wonderful times of encouragement as we make it our habit to listen and to love. And so again, that understanding of someone is so, so important. 
because when you listen for those heart drops, you know what they need. It could be words, it could be actions, it could just be a small gift, just a quick, hey, I'm thinking about you, here's something that made me think of you. Barnabas is a great example of hearing heart drops. He was able to see past the surface of Paul and really understand what his potential was for good. He had this gift for making people feel big even when they themselves felt small. He was able to give Paul that nudge that he needed so that he could, he could live out his God-given gift. Encouragers who see, listen, and speak to the heart are able to look at people as untapped potential because they see what you don't. And so we need to be seers of other people. We need to see what their gifts are and call those gifts out for them. Because the more we call them out, the more they're able to develop those unique <coughs> gifts and talents. And then the last thing that we need to do to embrace our role as encourager is to become a consistent source of hope. Being an encourager really starts with ourselves. Even though encouragement is about other people, it starts with us. It starts with us growing in our own faith walk. It starts with us being secure in who we are in Christ. We are soaked in God's promises, and we see his role as an encourager to us. And the more we embrace God's encouragement of us, the more it spills out into our encouragement of other people. Great encouragers become pictures of humility, authenticity, compassion, and action because they know who they are and whose they are. And so from this place, when we are con a consistent source of hope, when we are standing strong in our faith, we can encourage others just through our actions, just through how we live day to day. So let's look at Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So it's interesting if you look at kind of the science behind this, there is mutual benefit to both pieces of iron as they strike each other. So as you strike two pieces of iron together, each one sharpens. Each one becomes more sharp, each one becomes more efficient in doing what it is that they were intended to do. And this is not only what happens when two pieces of iron strike each other, but when two believers come together and are working through this whole circle of encouragement, I'm encouraging you, you're encouraging me, they sharpen each other in the areas that they need most. And so we all need examples who encourage us to be all God created us to be. We need people to model dealing with life's mistakes. We need people to model how to be a good parent, how to... We need people to model marriage. We need people to model how to react in difficult situations. We need those people around us that have experienced all of life so that we can see how can we, how can we respond to that. One caveat, outside of Jesus, there's no perfect models. So I don't want anybody to think we're asking you, we're, ask, we're asked to be perfect models because we're not but we can exhibit good spiritual strengths. And we can use, because our lives will either draw people closer to Christ or push them further away. And one of our greatest opportunities for encouraging other believers comes in how we handle suffering. Think about a person that you know that has walked through a difficult time. It could be a relationship, it could be a medical diagnosis, it could be just about anything, but think about 
that person that's walked through it in a way that makes you really second guess whether anything really bad is going on in their lives. And I look out here and I can see at least a dozen people who have done that for me. People that are going through really crappy things, but you wouldn't know it because the light of Christ shines so bright in them. And that is what God is calling us to do in this, is to really put our faith in him as the encourager, because the way that we walk through those times, the way that we walk through those situations can help build someone else's faith. And so what's really happening there is encouragers are seeing circumstances and situations as changeable. They know that's not the final destination. So because they've walked through this and they've walked through it in a way that illuminates Christ, they can help you create solutions and pursue positive change in your own, in your own struggles there. They know that resistance and failure are inevitable, but they also know that there's something more. And so those are the people that can consistently point you back to the truth. The way that we live should be provocative to other Christians, and I mean that word in the best way possible. We should be living in our lives in a way that encourages people to come closer to Christ. <coughs> so to recap, as we embrace our role of encourager, we need to get close to people. We need to get close to them physically. We need to get close to them emotionally. We need to see, listen, and speak to the hearts of others. So we need to... Listen between the lines. We need to find those heart drops and then respond to them. And then finally, we need to be a consistent source of hope for other people. We need to be so grounded in our faith, so grounded in our belief that God is the ultimate encourager that it can't help but spill out. And so as we wrap up today, I wanna give us all the opportunity to put this into practice this week. So I want you to think about somebody in your circle or in your sphere of influence who could, who could use encouragement. This could be someone that is walking down a difficult road. Maybe it's somebody that you think just needs to hear, sister, you are walking this hard path with grace and dignity, stay the course. Or maybe it's somebody that you see something, you see someone leading his family so well and you just wanna say, well done, brother. Remember, we talked about encouragement happens at the low and at the high and every time in between. So think of that person. So take a minute. Do you have a picture of them in your mind? So this week I'm challenging us all to encourage that one person. It can be through your words, it can be through your actions, it can be through your prayer, it can be through all three of those. And I'm gonna make it really, really easy for you. So as you came in on your chair or a chair close to you, there's a blank card. So nobody can give me the excuse, I didn't have anything to write a message to anybody because I just gave it to you. So take this card and use it to write a few words to that person. Maybe it's an encouraging scripture. Again, maybe it's just a, add a girl, add a boy, stay the course. I see you. I see what you're doing. I see, I recognize your passion. I recognize your struggle, whatever it is. Let them know. And then the next part of that, because it's not just to do it, it's to give it to them. Make sure that they get those words from you. William Barclay, a Scottish minister and theologian, once said, one of the highest human duties 
is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at man's ideals. It's easy to pour cold water on the enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage others. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. I just think that is a great summary statement for everything that we've talked about today. Because we can be great for the kingdom of God, not just by what we do, by, but by what we encourage others to do. And that's the kind of community that we're called to be. So I'd just like to end by, I want to just pray a prayer of encouragement over all of us today. And so if you're comfortable, if you just want to put your hands out like this, just as an act of saying, I receive this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a God of encouragement. We thank you that you give us the best example of how to be encouraging to one another. And Father God, I just pray, I just pray your words over every person in this room today. For those that walked in who are struggling, just please remind them, don't be discouraged that you are right alongside them. For those that are walking in with just a passion burning in their hearts to walk forward, to walk closer to you, to take bold action in their faith, I just pray that you remind them of the rewards that are in store for them. I just pray that you will continually remind them, well done, sister, well done, daughter, well done, son, that you will remind them that you too are with them in this time. And Father God, I just continue to pray boldness over everyone that they can embrace their role of encourager. I just pray that you continue to shower them with your love, with your mercy, with your grace. Just pray that you just remind them of the significant place that they have in your story. We know that there are no supporting roles when it comes to you. I just pray that we will embrace our role as encouragers, as encouragers of, to point people closer to you and closer to your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.